Hollywood Hoop Dreams aren't only made from magic, they also come in the form of original podcasts from the Hoop Ball Network. So if you're the Lakers zooming out, are you tempted to bring back DeMarcus Cousins in the playoffs? And do you disrupt the dynamic at that point if he's healthy enough to play? Join Ethan, JC, and the thriving Lakers community around the world to talk about all things Lakers. The Lakers this season has come to expect of this team is consistent winning. That is something we have not been able to say since I've seen Andrew Bynum in a Lakers uniform. The show is available everywhere pods are found and you can follow the show on twitter at hoopball lakers the following is a hoopball presentation What is up hoopball nation brandon marcus here glad to have you Along for the ride as basketball is officially back. The Los Angeles Clippers winners over the Orlando Magic yesterday in their first exhibition game. And we are just days away from the opener between the Los Angeles Lakers and the Los Angeles Clippers. We're going to have Adam Osland of 570 AM Sports coming on to chat about the Clippers win over the Magic. Talk about Trez and Pat not being in the bubble at the moment as they're tending to family matters. Talk about Noah and how he looked in the first game that he played as a Clipper, and frankly, the first game he's played in a long time. He's had some pretty tough injury luck, to say the least. There's no doubt about that. So we'll talk to Adam about all things Clippers, expectations going forward, PG and Kawhi, everything you need to know leading up to that season opener but before we get there folks i gotta tell you about something and it's something pretty important support for hoop ball is brought to you by manscaped the best in men's below the belt grooming they obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience and i gotta tell you guys guess what i got my lawnmower 3.0 yes i did it was sent in the mail and i got it and of course i used that discount the code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. I got 20% off. I got free shipping. It is something that you want to take advantage of, okay? Because I know I have made that mistake when I have tried using scissors and I have made that mistake. You know what I'm talking about. It's not great, but the Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest hair trimmer ever created and just released that new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. It has a cutting edge ceramic blade. And what does that do? It reduces the manscaping accidents thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. Folks, when I say this is premium, it is premium. And why? Because the battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. And hey, you want to bring it in the shower? You absolutely can. It has water resistant technology so you can make sure that, hey, you want to bring it in the shower. You don't want to get hair all over the place. I understand. Also, one of the coolest features, it has an LED light. What does that do? It illuminates the grooming areas for a closer, more precise tripping, tri- trimming. Rather, Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code HOOPBALL20. All right, I am excited. Basketball is back. The Clippers, a winner over the Orlando Magic, 99-90. to Let's go ahead and break it down with Adam Osland. You hear his dulcet tones on AM 570. 
You can see him on Twitter at follow Adam A. He is the legend, Adam Oslin, back on the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Adam, what's up, my man? I didn't even know I was old enough to go legend status with it yet, but I'll take it, Brandon. What's up? How are you? I'm doing all right. You are absolutely a legend. You are involved with the Clippers. You have now been through two different broadcasters. So you have, I think, your tenure has been with Brian Seaman now and now with Noah Eagle. So I'm going to give you the legend status. You know, sometimes legends are uh, crowned after one year. I mean, LeBron James was crowned a legend, frankly, before he even made it to the NBA. So I'll give you the status. (laughs) Just go ahead and take it. I work with legends. I will definitely say that both of those guys, look, Ralph Lawler is irreplaceable, but those were the two best options. First of all, obviously, Brian Seaman filling in for Ralph on television, and then Noah Eagle. I like to call him the hashtag future goat because, uh, I mean, the best compliment I can give him is I never even think about his age. He's so professional, he's so polished, and he's so mature. And if you guys were listening yesterday to the broadcast, whether it was on the radio or on television with Fox Sports Prime Ticket, and I believe that game was aired on NBA TV, but that tells you it was a simulcast. And he was working it off of a monitor in the Fox studios, and it was just a flawless performance. I told him afterwards, you know, you keep passing all these tests with flying colors. Imagine that. You're off for four months and your next Clippers game is a simulcast. You're doing television for the first time with the Clippers on a play-by-play broadcast, and you're still taking care of your radio responsibilities. So I'm bringing it back in from break, and we're timing this whole thing out. And i got about 30 seconds to get reads in and then get a little quip in or a stat or a note on a player uh, from a previous possession. And I throw it to Noah. And what he was doing was he was taking it and making it vague enough because he's not going to say thanks, Adam, to the television audience that's not even seeing me and doesn't even know I'm there, but he's making it generic enough. If I'm saying something about sweet Lou Williams, he'll just come in and start saying, Lou Williams, you know, what was he yesterday? He had 22 points in 16 minutes. But it it was an unbelievable job by Noah Eagle. I'm blessed. I'm lucky to be working with legends and future legends, and Noah Eagle is certainly one of them. Yeah, I don't think people understand, and some people do, um, they know what's going on right now because Noah is not in Orlando. He is not in the bubble. The hope is that he can get out there for the playoffs possibly, whether it be the first round, the second round, and so on. We don't know exactly when they're going to let broadcasters in there. Obviously ESPN, TNT, NBA TV, they have people there. But you're right. I mean, he was on that simulcast yesterday with NBA TV, and there were a lot of clips being posted where people were hearing and seeing Noah for the first time because he's on the radio here in LA, but you don't get a chance to actually hear his call unless you have an app or you have something where you can go and listen to a broadcast from a different station where now he's on NBA TV and you could hear his entire radio call. And there's big shoes to fill with, uh, with two things with Brian and with his father. I mean, Ian is an incredible broadcaster and he has filled those shoes admirably and to to broadcast a game off a monitor is hard enough because you don't get to see the players up close and personal like you do at an arena. It's a lot easier to distinguish players when you are there, but he's doing it off a monitor and to call it like he did with the radio, sensational, like you said. So I'm glad we gave the props there, but I also want to talk to you about what went into everything behind the scenes. How difficult is it to set everything up where 
you can get that transmission or whatever it requires where he's in downtown LA in the Fox studios and you're in the station. Well, I'm not that technologically savvy. Luckily, we had real audio engineers having to hook this up. But I'm in Burbank. He's at the Fox lot. We're potting him up on a big sound mixer on this side, and everything has to be timed out perfectly because obviously we're serving two masters with a simulcast where he's on television and doing the radio call at the same time. So it had to be down to the fraction of a second to make sure when they went came back from Fox Sports Prime Ticket was the exact time that we got into it, got our reads in, and then I threw to him. Uh, so it, it was an undertaking. But I think for the most part, the average listener would have no idea, and that's what we're going for, basically. That's when you know it's a good broadcast, when they don't know how difficult it is behind the scenes to pull it off. Exactly. And listen, Noah could be very flustered, and he could mess something up. But he is as calm as a cucumber, and my goodness, he is young, but he is handling this perfectly. And I think you guys have one more of these, right, before Brian and Chauncey and Christina take over on the TV side? Yeah, I believe Saturday, Noah's back on the simulcast. Uh, we have pregame at 4 on AM 570. Actually, no, programming note will be on AM 1150, the Patriot, because, of course, the Dodgers season is starting up later tonight on AM 570. They have a weekend series with the Giants. So on the radio side, yes, we'll be on uh, AM 1150, starting at 4 with Clippers pregame. But then prime ticket starts at 4. Five o'clock. I'm not sure if that game against the Washington Wizards is also on NBA TV or not. Another scrimmage. Two more of these to go before Lakers and Clippers ramps back up and the NBA season gets going. There's not a whole lot usually you can take from a scrimmage. Lots of people like to overreact to these kind of things. I remember when we were watching Terrence Mann light everybody up, everyone saying, oh, what this guy needs to be in the rotation. He's a good ball player, but let's all calm down. There are good and bad things that happen during these exhibition and scrimmages, and we got to let things happen. I mean, you look at Kawhi Leonard yesterday and nine points in 19 minutes. Kawhi's going to be fine. It's, it's about getting out there and getting the rust off and being able to play some basketball, but what was your biggest take from yesterday? Was it Lou Williams and his 22 points in 16 minutes? Was it Noah and his 15 minutes as a starter for the Clippers? What stood out to you the most? I thought we were still talking about Noah Eagle. <laughs> I think it was Joakim Noah, uh, just because we're talking about someone who hasn't played a game on the professional level in almost a year and a half. I believe his last game was with the Memphis Grizzlies on March 22nd of 2019 he has that freak injury where he doesn't tear his achilles he cuts it by moving one of those big metal ice tubs back in september when he was about to have a formal tryout with the los angeles clippers and he puts in all this work to make sure he still has an opportunity to join this team speaking of blessed he's been saying that a lot recently he talked about how the clippers gave him hope I mean, and that's an amazing thing because he could retire. He's 34, 35 years of age. This could be it. But you can see he still has that fire in his belly because this was someone who won championships, obviously, in Florida, and he was close a few times in a few different runs with the Chicago Bulls. And things obviously never work out with the New York Knicks. And last season, Memphis wasn't an elite, talented team. Uh, they were having a sell-off. So... This is his last shot 
to win it all. And to see the way he was moving out there, and you can tell with all the workouts he's been doing and getting an extra four months to get healthy, it's paid off. Because I said it, said it on the broadcast, Joakim Noah looks like Joakim Noah. I, I know he's not defensive player of the year caliber Joakim Noah, but he's so cerebral, and you get to that point in your career where you don't have to have as much athleticism. Not that he relied on that too much anyways, but he's such a heady player. He brings so much energy, and he's a perfect fit for this Clippers personality and the type of characters they have on this team, that mindset. It's like he was born to be a Clipper, and I think part of that is because obviously in Chicago with Tom Thibodeau, they had, and who obviously has worked with the Clippers this season defensively a little bit, but, but they had a similar grinded-out type of mentality on the defensive end where you just have to give effort constantly. But what impressed me most about Joakim Noah yesterday was his interior passing and then also the kickouts. He had one to Amir Coffey for a three, and then he had one to Marcus Morris. There was some great ball movement. I think that was early in the third quarter. But for a big man, he's such a good passer. He ended up with three assists, and he adds an extra element and an extra facet to this team. I don't know how much he's going to play once Avita Zubats and uh, Montrez Harrell are there, but he's shown that he's more than capable of being someone that can give you 10 minutes a night, and it's more than just six fouls. I think that's what we were assuming it was going to be. Okay, he's going to be tough. Maybe he'll get a few minutes here and there in a seven-game series, and then he'll basically be mentoring Abisa Zubat. I think he has more to offer than that because you look at his passing and the way he fit in right away. He had the first bucket of the game for the Clippers, actually. And while the stats weren't huge, again, I mentioned those assists, three assists, five boards, four points in just 15 minutes. I just love the feel he had for the game. He looked really comfortable out there. I know he's been practicing with the team, but you can't stress enough how this guy hadn't played basketball for almost a year and a half, and he goes out and puts out a performance like that with his first time with his new team in the Los Angeles Clippers. It was impressive. You know who he, who he reminds me of, Adam? And it seems like he could be this kind of guy that does change a game and in turn will change a series. Reminds me a little bit of what Reggie Evans brought to the Clippers when they were playing in that series mm. against Memphis, when you need somebody to give you that energy off the bench. And for Reggie, it was getting the rebounds. It wasn't much in terms of the scoring, but in that comeback against the Grizzlies, he was pivotal. Down 27, yeah. Yeah, he was pivotal. He brought that energy. I could see him being a guy where Doc doesn't like the energy he's getting from maybe a zoo or a Trez, which normally would not happen, but he decides, you know what, let's insert Noah into the game and see if he's able to change the game. I can see him playing that type of role. Does that make sense? Do you think I'm crazy? No, I think that's actually a perfect comparison. I'm jealous I didn't think about it. I'll bring you up next time on the broadcast when I give that comp. <laughs> that's a beautiful mind type theory there, Brandon. I love that because Reggie Evans was similar he was, I believe, near the end of his career. He's been playing in the big three, I think, the last couple of years now. Yeah. But, yes, hustle plays, doing the little things. And what does Doc Rivers always say? He tries to bring in uh, rotations to find energy. He tries to come up with that mathematical equation, or sometimes it's, you know, it's not about the science of it. It's just about some guy willing your team to victory because they're doing little things and they're making winning plays. And Joakim Noah can certainly do that. That's what he's always done because it's interesting. He was the man, obviously, on those Florida teams, and everybody wondered what would he translate into as an NBA player. He had to adjust his game. 
he obviously didn't become some great scorer or anything like that. He became one of the best modern Dennis Rodman type of players where you just do everything else that helps your team win. And you don't care about what stats you get that night. You find other ways to impact the game. So he fits the mold of what a Clipper is with his competitiveness. I'm telling you, it feels like he was on the track. It was destiny for him to end up being a Clipper. If they go on to win it all this season with Joakim Noah, that's something I'm going to remember just because it just feels like a great story for him to have this possibility of winning a championship near the end of his career with a team that really embodies what he's all about now, too. Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see how much playing time he gets because now it's at the point we've talked about this all year where Doc has so much at his disposal that he's going to have to do a lot of coaching. And it's not just, hey, you know, X's and O's. It's exactly like what Dave Roberts is doing for the Dodgers. you got to figure out the right guys to put in the lineup, whether it's starting a guy like Gavin Lux or starting a guy like Chris Taylor. And then you look at the Clippers' side. Are you going to play Noah? Are you going to play Zoo? How many minutes are you going to give Zoo versus Trez? There's a lot of different things that Doc has to figure out minutes-wise. And I think this scrimmage and these three scrimmages are going to give Noah a chance to shine. But at the end of the day... It really would surprise me to see him play more than a handful of minutes, given that Zoo and Trez are there. Frankly, we don't know when they're going to come back and when they're both going to be ready, so it's a good thing that Noah's getting these reps. But at the same time, I don't anticipate him doing a ton when it comes to getting on the floor. But, like you said, being the mentor for Zoo, being the guy that is the veteran presence on a team that has championship aspirations, I think, is critically important. And he's someone who has no problem sacrificing. He understands that he's lucky to be in this situation, to be on a team that has those championship aspirations you talked about, to be a team that I think is the front runner to win the NBA championship. I thought that when the night of, what was it, J- July 9th, when they got PG and Kawhi Leonard. Uh, and Doc Rivers, by the way, when you're talking about rotations, I think something changed for him a couple years ago because of how he had to juggle different lineups and try to find mismatches with a team that didn't have as much elite talent. You know, right before Blake Griffin was traded, and even during early on in that season without CP3 and having that floor general on the court for the Clippers, I think it required more coaching from Doc Rivers, and he had a lot of young players and journeyman players that contributed. Uh, C.J. Williams comes to mind. A young player in Jawan Evans comes to mind. Guys that had to play out of necessity because of all the injuries going on, because they had to trade Blake Griffin, and they ended up winning 42 games somehow. And I think a philosophy shift may have happened there with Doc Rivers, or he just reverted back to what he had to do with the heart and hustle teams with the Orlando Magic early on in his coaching career. But it required a lot more coaching from him, which he talked about really enjoying. And I think it means something now. Even though you have two superstars, you have a team, though, built with guys, as Joakim Noah said yesterday, that are not prima donnas. So if he does have to pull the trigger and take out a starter or take out Trez or Lou Williams, you're not going to see an issue in the locker room with these guys. They're not going to have an ego about it 
if Joakim Noah comes up to muck up a game, or comes in to muck up a game, I should say, because they have to change the energy. Or Patrick Patterson has to come in and get minutes. Doc isn't afraid to play anyone, and I really think that started at least with the Clippers a couple years ago during that 2017-2018 season. Do we have any update on Trez and Pat? It's uh, it's obviously really devastating to see. I think they're both dealing with family issues at home, and uh, it seems like on the Pat side, at least, that there was a death in the family or something of that nature. Um, do we have any idea when they would come back and how much of an issue it is? Do, do you think it is that they're not there right now? Because for me, I don't think it's a huge issue. Um, I think this team just kind of has chemistry built in, and I think the eight games will give enough time. I mean, the scrimmages don't matter, and the eight games, frankly, the Clippers are most likely going to be locked into that two seed. So as long as they come back with, I don't know, two or three games left, I think they'll be okay. What's your take on the situation? Yeah, I agree with that. And Paul George kind of talked about it about a week ago, even before Trez left and now uh, Patrick Beverly, and thoughts and prayers with them and their families with whatever they're going through. I, I don't know the details. Uh, I'm getting the reports just like everyone else from Shams. Woj is still suspended. <laughs> Chris Haynes, I guess, would be the other one. But Paul George talked about how, yeah, we're kind of used to this throughout the season anyways. It's next man up. I mean, they've had between him, Kawhi, Patrick Beverly and Landry Shamit, they've missed 70 games combined between just those four players. So they've had to figure it out. And I thought yesterday, without four critical guys who aren't there with them, it just showed their depth again. I thought Rodney Magruder looked pretty good. I know he was only two for seven, but he went one of two from downtown. He's been working on his shot from the outside. And Amir Coffey, has I know that he's been that caffeine shot, that adrenaline shot <laughs> for the team, people say. But he's been really good in limited minutes. And he looked good again yesterday, too. So it's not like they can't get by right now in these scrimmages. Obviously, that game on the 30th against the Lakers, you want to have your full squad. But even if they don't, I'm wondering if both teams are going to play their starters heavy minutes that game anyways. We'll see. But, yeah, I'm, of course, thinking about Patrick Beverly and Montrez Harrell right now. We love those guys. We hope they get back. When they do, it sounds like, at a minimum, they're going to be quarantined for at least four days. It could turn into So do the math there on where that would get them in terms of where the schedule's at. Yeah, I think that was released today, right, with the four days um, if you leave the bowl. But apparently it could be zero if it was for a medical emergency or something like that. So I think they're still trying to figure that out in terms of four days or zero days. And then you could also look at why change what's working in terms of the amount of time to quarantine. But nonetheless, I mean, as long as these guys come back and hopefully everything ends up being okay with their families and are, like you said, our thoughts and our prayers are with them Um, on the court though. Yesterday, we only saw a couple of players eclipse that 20 minute mark we saw Jamichael Green lead the charge to 25 minutes, and then Coffee, like you mentioned, 22, and Patrick Patterson, 20. What are your expectations on minutes? Uh, you just brought up that you don't expect to see Kawhi, PG, the Stars, playing heavy minutes against the Lakers. What are your realistic expectations? Because I'm thinking somewhere along the lines of 25 to 28. What do you think? Yeah, it's probably within that those parameters because this is the deepest team in the league. Now, they do need to hold on to that number two seed. I think that's important, and they're only a game and a half up. 
on the Denver Nuggets. So when they get into those seeding games, those eight last regular season games that don't count when it comes to awards and voting there, they're going to need to stay ahead, I think, of the Denver Nuggets because you don't want to end up possibly playing the team that I think is the most dangerous team that could easily win a first-round series, the OKC Thunder. Mm -hmm. I've been talking about them all season long. But I think they're going to be a real problem, and they're playing with house money. It would almost be the reverse of what the Clippers went through last season, where they were the eighth seed taking on the one seed and one of the greatest teams of all time in the Golden State Warriors, and they could play loose. Well, OKC would have that plus extra incentive to win because obviously they have a lot of former Clippers on that team, and they have that devastating three-guard lineup with SGA, with Chris Paul, with Dennis Schroeder, who might be your sixth man of the year. And they've been the most clutch team all season long, last five minutes of a game within five points. Chris Paul has led the league in clutch scoring. I would not want to see them in the first round. I'm not saying they would beat the Clippers, but I think they would extend out and drag out a series, and that adds up throughout the arduous journey of going through the NBA playoffs. So if it's critical enough to have to win a game to stay ahead of the Denver Nuggets and to make sure you're possibly playing, let's say, the Dallas Mavericks in the first round, which I think is a great matchup for the Los Angeles Clippers, you might see heavier minutes that way. But outside of that, at least early on in the schedule, which is pretty favorable for the Clippers, those eight games, I think Doc Rivers is going to be careful with playing his starters heavy minutes. Also because you just don't know in a situation like this how guys are going to look. I mean, Kawhi Leonard yesterday, he looked really rusty. And sometimes when you're not in that NBA game shape, that makes you more prone to injury. And you can't risk that right now as well. Yeah, and at the same time, you got to be – at a point where you get to the playoffs and these guys are not going from zero to 60. So you got to find that happy medium. And that's why you pay all this money for strength and conditioning and for all this medical science behind the scenes to figure out what's the amount of time you need to ramp these guys up to get them into that playoff conditioning because regular season games and playoff games and the bodies are very different in terms of the way you put stress on your bodies. And for the playoffs, you might see a guy play 35 to 40 minutes at times. And you can't just go from the 19 minutes that they're playing now to that 40 minutes once the playoffs start. So you got to find that happy medium to slowly increase. Because like you said, the last thing you want to see is an injury. And you will do that if you go from 0 to 60, from 19 minutes to 40 minutes. So you got to be really careful and you, you bring up the OKC Thunder, there's also, of course, the revenge factor. I mean, SGA traded from the Clippers to OKC and a team that got rid of Paul George, and maybe they want to try and sink Paul George because he decided to leave the Thunder. So there is that revenge factor as well that comes into play, and I think I agree with you that OKC is dangerous, man. Steven Adams is very good defensively, and he could be a pain in the neck to deal with. And then, of course, you have those three guards, and you have the playoff experience of Chris Paul, and that could be a problem. So uh, the two seed, I don't think enough is being made of it. I think everyone's kind of assuming that the Clippers will stay in that two spot uh, because I think they do have the tiebreaker over Denver, and I think they're up, what, like you said, one and a half games. But like you said, the importance of getting that two seed is pretty, pretty paramount. Well, I think they went one and one against the Denver Nuggets, and they have one more game during those eight seeding games against them. 
it comes later in the schedule and things could already be settled in terms of the two seed or the three seed. But it also means you could end up playing the Lakers in the second round instead of the Western Conference Finals if you started falling down the standings. And one and a half games up isn't a lot. And I said uh, the Clippers' schedule is somewhat favorable, but we don't know how teams are going to react without fans inside the bubble. I mean, everybody's talking about how, well, what's Philly going to look like? They were so bad on the road all season long. And now they don't have any home games. Is it going to favor some teams? Is it going to be advantageous for some teams to be in that environment where all you get are graphics on the sides of uh, (laughs) the building or inside the arena to show that you're the home team? That was weird yesterday with the Clippers. It said L-A-R way. They're in Orlando playing the Magic, and they were the home team somehow. (laughs) But without any true home court advantage, like we could all be thinking about this wrong. We could like things may be closer between the top elite teams and the rest of the pack than we realize just because home court advantage is no longer a factor in the playoffs. Yeah, and without home court advantage, I mean it's important to have the guys you can trust and the deep bench that can perform no matter where the games are being played. And I've talked about this the last several weeks on the podcast and I've had different people on talking about how the bench guys are the ones that get lifted at home. I mean, you see a guy like Austin Rivers that goes bonkers against the Houston Rockets in that game three. It, it happens where guys get hot at home normally if you're a role player. And for the Clippers, they have these guys in Lou and Trez and Reggie Jackson that have been starters and they have been there and they don't need that energy from the fans to get up for a big game. So I think that's one advantage that clearly does play the Clippers way. And you take away that home court advantage, the Lakers versus the Clippers at Staples Center, you're going to have a lot of Lakers fans at Clippers home games. Clippers fans have showed up, no doubt about that, but it just is a thing where Lakers fans do show up all over the place. So that does, I think, like you said, I think it really does help the Clippers to be playing in this neutral environment and does give them an edge. I'm assuming you're going to take the Clippers to come out of the West. Who would you like to see them play in the East, and who do you think they play in the East in the NBA Finals if they get there? Well, the favorites, Milwaukee. I think they're cut above the rest of the pack, but I don't know if people are talking about the Boston Celtics quite enough just because last season, obviously, they took a step back with Kyrie Irving and the young guys and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, it looked like it hindered their development slightly. But playing next to Kemba Walker on that team that's also so versatile, and there was a great game right before the All-Star break that went into double overtime against the Clippers. Clippers ended up losing in Boston. There was a bad call on a Lou Williams uh, shot where he should have had uh, the continuation. But That would be a difficult team. I could see them being the team that comes out of the East if it's not Milwaukee, if it's not Philly, uh, just because I do think the Philadelphia 76ers are much better than 10-24 and on the road. (laughs) They were unbelievable at home. They beat the Clippers in a tight game in Philadelphia, and they do have the size and some good matchups against the Milwaukee Bucks as well. But Boston, 
with the, with the system they have there, with how many guys they can throw at you, with Marcus Smart being a replica of Patrick Beverly and bringing a similar type of energy and fire and passion to the game, if it wasn't the Milwaukee Bucks, I would pick the Boston Celtics. Because also, I forget who the player was, but somebody said, and I thought this was a great point, that they've never seen someone grow so much within one season than Jason Tatum, who was leaps and bounds better by March than he was in October, November, and December. It it was strange to see the development and how quickly he was developing and getting better and better. And remember, we made all the jokes about the late, great Kobe Bryant hurting his game when he was training with him a year ago. Maybe it was one step back last year to take two steps forward this year because Jason Tatum looks like a completely different player. And both L.A. teams have had to feel it. (laughs) He was really good against the Lakers as well this year. Yeah, and very well coached. And another team that's very well coached that just continues to slide under the radar. The Toronto Raptors just continue to slide under the radar. Nick Nurse, one of the best coaches in the NBA, and I think they like it this way. Whether it's Kyle Lowry, whether it's Gasol, whether it's Van Fleet, these guys show up and they are very good ball players. So it'll be interesting to see who comes out of these. One final one from you. Going back to the game last night, PG, he talked about how this time off was critical to get his body right. His shoulders are okay now. He said they were an issue during the season. It seems like he really showed yesterday that that time off helped him a lot. And it's amazing to me because Paul George has set such a high standard for himself with being third in MVP last year, with being third in Defensive Player of the Year voting last year that somehow people thought he was disappointing this year. And you look at his per 36 numbers, and when he was on the court, he was almost exactly as good as he was last year in terms of efficiency. He had a couple historically great offensive games. I think it was game two for him, or his first game at Staples Center against the Hawks when the Clippers won by 50, that he had 37 points in something like 20 minutes. No player in NBA history had scored that many points in that little of time before. And yet there's this narrative out there, a false one, by the way, that Paul George has been disappointing, and he's not the same. But I will say, the fact that he hasn't had to rehab his shoulders anymore the last two months, and we didn't know about that, that he was still continuing that constantly throughout the season. And it finally ended a couple months ago. And then, of course, the hamstring injury, it looks like that healed. And he showed up yesterday and did look like he had another step to him. He had that spark. And his handles are unbelievably underrated, by the way, for a guy who's 6'8". Uh, they don't get talked about enough. I like to say he's he's turning into a 6'8 Steph Curry, not just because of the handles, but of course the long ball, the long shooting and the range he's added the last couple of seasons. You saw that right before the end of the first half yesterday where he hits that 30-foot three-pointer. But he was 4 of 8 from downtown. And he's been taking almost 10 three-pointers per game uh, while shooting over 40% the last couple of seasons now. So he's turned into the greatest isolation, spot-up type shooter. Uh, I I don't want to say, I mean, Steph Curry, yes, he's amazing. But for somebody with Paul George's handles and the way he can attack and get to the rim and create for himself, I just think he is right back to where he was last season when he was third in MVP voting, and somehow people are not realizing this, and they're saying, oh, playoff P and stuff like that. 
And that's also a false narrative and completely overblown. I mean, he was averaging 28 points per game last season with two bumped shoulders in that series for OKC uh, against the Portland Trailblazers. He gave it his all, probably shouldn't have even been playing. And he's had really big moments in the playoffs as well. Without him, do they take that Miami Heat team to seven games back in 2013? No, he was the focal point of that offense for the Indiana Pacers. So people need to cool that talk. I think PG-13, he has a lot to gain in these playoffs, legacy-wise, perception-wise, and he's going to do it. Being next to Kawhi Leonard, by the way, when that takes the pressure off of you, look at what happened last year for Kyle Lowry, Mm -hmm. who had struggled mightily in the playoffs throughout his career, historically bad playoff numbers. All of a sudden, Kawhi Leonard gives you that confidence when you're playing next to somebody like that, and it just takes the pressure off of you having to do everything. Paul George, I really think, is going to have his coming out party this year in the playoffs, and people are going to start talking about him. Where does he rank all time now? Yep, if you you have MVP caliber PG, and then you have NBA MVP in the finals caliber Kawhi Leonard, that is a deadly duo and man, it LeBron AD versus Kawhi and PG thirteen, and as Noah likes to call him, Rated R. As we bring the podcast all the way back around the way we started. Oh boy, Adam, it is always a pleasure to have you on. You're always dropping knowledge. You can see him on Twitter at follow Adam A is where you can read and see what he's got to say, and then also you can hear him, of course, AM five seventy. What else we got to plug? I know you got yourself a podcast as well, right? FNA Podcast dot com at FNA Show on Twitter as well. Myself and Kevin Figures here at AM five seventy LA Sports. We're the Suns talk, and I'm talking about the Petros and Money Show. Two of my broadcasting heroes they're the reason i got into radio to begin with so we try to follow in their footsteps here at am 570 uh with the fna podcast adam always a pleasure we'll talk to you soon thanks for coming on the hoop ball clippers podcast brandon always good to be on with you take care my friend that was adam oslin boy he is dropping knowledge left and right whenever he comes on this podcast he is a tremendous guest to have on Please go and listen to AM570 pre-halftime post. He is tremendous. He knows his Clippers basketball, no doubt about that. Speaking of Noah Eagle, trying to have him as the next guest so we can talk to him about these broadcasts, what it's been like as he broadcasts a game from Los Angeles, a game that is happening in Orlando. So we'll see if we're able to get him on. But until then... You can follow me on Twitter at BDMarcus. You can follow the podcast at Hootball Clips. Rate and review the podcast if you have a second. Would greatly appreciate it if you give that five-star rating and review the podcast as well. If you do review the podcast, screenshot it and post it at BD Marcus. Send it to me. I will read it and I will give you a shout-out. I would greatly appreciate it. Hope everyone around you and your family is safe. Basketball is back. We are getting very close to Clippers-Lakers on opening night. Until then, go Clips! This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.